Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. Well, good, good morning. January 1st, 2023. Man, just amazing to think about what's in front of us, what is behind us. Where are we today? Right here, right now, in this place. You know, we just uh, got through last week. We were celebrating 2,000 years ago. The birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the first advent of our Lord as He came and dwelt amongst us, lived that sinless life. And we think about that present, that gift. And I pray for us, I pray for me, I pray for you, that it was more than just a time to receive presence, but I pray that you received presence, that Jesus Christ dwells in your heart everywhere you go, all day, not just at Christmas. Two weeks ago, we were in the Gospel of Luke, which is where we are this morning, Luke chapter 10, and we covered a lot. There's a lot in Luke chapter 9. When we look back on that, just two weeks ago, uh, Jesus sent the 12 apostles out. He fed the 5,000. Peter confessed Christ. Jesus predicted his death. He told the followers they must take up their crosses and follow him. He saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw a boy healed as they came down off the mountain. Jesus again predicted his death. There erupted a dispute amongst the disciples, who is the greatest. Um, then Jesus forbid sectarianism, division in the body, the they come to a Samaritan village. It rejects Jesus, the Savior. Um, but Jesus, again, sets his face for Jerusalem, sets his face for the cross. The third time in one chapter, he talks about that. And then he finishes by teaching us about the cost of discipleship. And we look back just two weeks ago and how much we saw and I think, you know, if you're like me, you've probably seen in the news, like the last day or two or three, I don't know, seems like it's never ended, all the year in review stuff. Have you, have you been seeing any of that, you know? When you think of 2022, what kind of things jump to mind? What are some of the headlines? I think some of the things that are going to go down in history in 2022 would be the R Russia-Ukraine war. Hello, pretty headline stuff. Um, inflation, record-setting inflations. <laughs> Roe v. Wade, overturned, amen, 2022. The Disrespect for Marriage Act was passed. We're going to live with some of that. And you kind of turn the wheels back a little further. Can you remember 2021? Let's start with maybe January 6th. Hello, right? Uh, see if this jogs your memory, vaccine mandates, 2021, an energy war, supply chain breakdowns, the woke critical race theory, parent revolt, hallelujah, 
an invasion on our southern border, which is ongoing. Now, I'm going to wind the wheel back another year. 2020. You remember 2020? Anybody remember 2020? Anything stick out in 2020? Maybe the Wuhan flu? How, you remember the Australian brush fires? That was a big deal for like four months in the news. And of course, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, and the Antifa riots. And every year, somehow seems to collect its nicknames, its tags, what it's known for. I wonder about 2023. What will 2023 be known for? You know, it's a blank slate. Who knows what's out there? I do. I do. It's Anno Domini 2023. It is the year of our Lord. Amen? And that is the headline. It has been for 2,023 years. That is breaking news, right? That is our day-to-day. That's, that's our future in front of us, the year of our Lord. And I pray that God's presence will be with us as we embark day by day through 2023, should the Lord tarry. <laughs> this could be the day he comes back. Certainly, there's nothing left on the prophetic calendar to stop Jesus from coming and snatching us out of here and going home. But until that time, we've got work to do. He says, occupy until I come. We need to be busy. And I don't think it's an accident I believe it's providence that God has brought us to Luke chapter 10 this morning. In Luke chapter 10, we're going to see three fundamental provisions in God's economy for us to walk in the year of our Lord every day. We're going to see in verses 1 through 24, being heralds, for the Lord. As we go forth declaring, being ambassadors for Jesus Christ, that will mark every single day of our life. As we go out the door in the name of Jesus, this is another day of the Lord. In verses 25 through 37, we're going to see how Jesus instructs us that we should be helpers like the Lord, heralds for the Lord, then helpers like the Lord, being a good neighbor. And what that looks like in our world today as it did in their world. And finally, in verses 38 through 42, to be hearers of the Lord. And I'm going to give you a little spoiler warning. My spelling for hearers is different than you might be anticipating. I expect that we're going to learn to be H-E-R-E hearers of the Lord as we look at the the concluding remarks. But let's go ahead and jump in. It says in verse 61, I'm going to start two weeks ago, and we're going to get a running start. As Jesus tells about the cost of discipleship, another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Odd lang syne. (laughs) Sayonara. 2022, 
rearview mirror. But Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. AD 2023, full speed ahead. Verse 10, after these things, whether it's after all the things we read about in chapter 9, and there's a boatload of them, or it's whether we look back on the calendar, 2022, 21, 20. After all these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. He had just appointed the 12 last chapter, now it's 70 also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. This is cool. 70 are sent out. Now, if you're reading this from 2,000 years ago as Luke pens this, as the audience would hear it, especially the Jewish audience, as Jesus in this episode, this story, gets 70 of his disciples, these would be Jews that were sent to go out. But interestingly, from a Jewish perspective, when they would hear that term 70, certain things would pop to mind, such as Genesis chapter 10. Everybody remember that one? The table of nations, 70 different nations, tribes, tongues, and peoples that populated planet Earth, a picture of going out into all the world to make disciples. You would think of the 70, those who came alongside Moses to help lead and represent and share the Word of God with the nation of Israel. You think that even in their day, 70 who sat in their Jewish Supreme Court, if you will, the Sanhedrin, and they would rule over the world, and they would be representatives of the nation of Israel. And now Jesus is calling his own 70 to go out into the world. He says, sent them two by two before his face into every city. Moving forward, whatever is past is past. Those 12, that was like last week. This is 70 this week, okay? We're moving on, team. And this 70 really is a picture of you and I. We are those people who have been commissioned to go into all the world and make disciples, all the world. And in the Greek, just so you understand, that word for all means all. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group, wherever you might find them. Before his face into every city and place where he was about to go. Two by two, no lone rangers. They were to go out as ambassadors, as heralds, declaring, the king is coming, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the Lord is here. That's our message. That's their message. That's our message. That is part of going into A.D. 2023. The king is coming. This, we're reading out of chapter 10, was his first advent. We, those that are sent into the world anticipating his second advent, Advent. Soon and very soon, our King is coming. That's our message. And that's our witness. That's our testimony. As ambassadors for Christ, it says that He appointed them, He deputized them, He charged them. He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore 
in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. We've been deputized. We've been commissioned. We are ambassadors. And just like an ambassador for any country, right, they have ambassadors. We have ambassadors to pretty much every country on earth. And they go, and what they do is they represent our country, just as the ambassador would go and speak for the king. If the ambassador went to the foreign dignitary and said, this is what my king says, that had the weight, that had the authority, that had the power, as if the king himself said it. And that's what God has invested with you and I, to go forward in that power and that authority and herald the kingdom is coming. Every place where he was about to go, and don't forget, not only if there was 70 of them, two by two, that's at least 35 cities, but remember, he has already set his face for Jerusalem. That is where we all go. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. Okay, and this is, this is the package that we're seeing here. Verse 2, then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So not only do we see here this, this herald, this job of an ambassador, this, this apostello, literally is the word, a person sent with a commission, apostles, lowercase apostles, but authorized, deputized, empowered nonetheless, to go, it's a privileged work. It brings with it the dignity, right? The honor. I'm a representative. I'm a king's kid. I'm a child of God. When I walk into the room, the classroom, the workplace, wherever I might be in my home, I am a representative of Jesus Christ. That brings with it dignity and honor, and it requires teamwork, that we would be witnesses and we would do this not on our own power, but according to God and according to his testimony in our lives. As we go into the world, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, what Jesus did for me. Our testimony, <laughs> what my life has been like ever since, and not loving our life even to the death. That this life is no longer about me. I, I got, I, I'm ticket, I got my my what is it? Stamp punched? How do I say that? <laughs> My ticket's punched. I'm already going to heaven. So there's nothing that can stop me from standing up and saying, <laughs> Jesus is coming. Get on board. Woo, woo. Train's pulling out, right? He said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. It is a privileged work, and there's this huge harvest, but it's interesting on this harvest, we're not sent out to sow, we're sent out to reap. We're sent out into a world that God has already prepared for us. We can go out and boldly say, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you want to pray to receive him as your Lord and Savior? Have your sins forgiven and have your ticket punched that you are a child of God and you're heaven bound? You want to do that with me? How many of you have done that? I know many of you have. And you know what's the surprising thing to many people who've never done it? The surprising thing is how many people say, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> you know what? I was one of those people once. You were one of those people once. What makes you think other people don't want to go to heaven? And we got this privilege of harvesting, going into the harvest. But it's also an enormous job. It's an immense task. The field is white unto harvest. 
and the laborers are few. There's a lot of work to be done in 2023, just as it was with these guys. And we need to, and Jesus says, we must pray, okay? It's a privilege, but it's kind of problematic. How are we going to get this done? We have to head into 2023 in prayer. We're not going anywhere until we pray. It's been said, it's kind of an interesting thing, we can do more than pray after we have prayed, but we cannot do anything until we pray. <laughs> Nothing is going to come of it if we don't seek God and his authority, his power, his grace. And we must pray because the work is immense and it's, uh, <laughs> it's work. It's going to be work, gang. 2023, don't think that it's just going to be smooth sailing and everywhere we turn, everybody's going to say, ah, 2023, oh, that's right, Anno Domini, year of the Lord. Hey, bro, can I receive Jesus like you? That's not what it's going to be like when we head out into the world. The world is ramping up the attack against the church, if you have not noticed. And you can expect one of the headlines of 2023 will be more of the same. I don't know, I got it. there's something going around, You'll, you could find it on YouTube, but there is a, an outreach uh, 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 by Sean Foyt, who is an evangelist, and he's down in San Diego, and last night he did a huge outreach at a church in San Diego. But right before the outreach, a whole bunch of uh, like uh, anarchists or whatever, Antifa people came, tagged the church building, and just tried everything to trash the event. This is going on right now as we speak. It's not just something that you hear about. It's going on everywhere. And if we're doing our job well, team, in 2023, if we really are salt that gets out of the shaker, if we really are light that gets out from under the bushel, you can expect a little hate to come our way. It's really a badge that you're doing the right thing. Okay, but it's, it's going to be out there. It's going to be hard. It's an immense task. It's a privileged task. It's problematic, but we have prayer, and we win, and so we go forward into the work. In verse 3, it says, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. It's inevitable. It's not even questionable. It's going to happen. We are being sent out as lamb amongst wolves. And you notice he doesn't even say sheep. It's not even a grown-up mama or daddy. It's a little lamb out amongst the wolves. You know, in, in another passage, he says that we must be clever as serpents and gentle as doves, some of these different uh, animal characteristics. But here, we go out completely vulnerable, just like Christ was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. And he won. And we go out in that same way. We don't go into 2023 as Lambo, you know, bayonet in our teeth, you know, and all bandoliered up and machine guns. We're not heading into the new year militant, ready to take out any wolves that we see. That's not the year of our Lord. Okay, but we will go out as lambs amongst wolves. Um, and it says in verse 4, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. 
Greet no one along the road. For whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it'll return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's your job, heralding the kingdom of God, going forward in the name of Jesus Christ. And to simply go, simply. It's not a big complex thing. It doesn't take years of preparation. It didn't take these 70 years of preparation. Many of them have just been following Jesus for who knows how long, a month, a couple months, maybe a year. And yet he says, you're going to go out and now you're going to represent me in these places that you're going. You're my front people. You're going to go out there and you're going to pave the way for me. And as you go as lambs amongst the wolves, I don't want you carrying anything. I don't want you to be encumbered. I don't want you to be weighed down. I can tell you going into the mission field a couple times in my life, I remember one trip, went to the Philippines. I'm not sure if you were on that one, David, but there was 28 of us on the team it was like two and a half tons of gear. And just going from through the airport and on the ferries and off the ferries and trying to move around, it was, it was terrible <laughs> trying to move around. Now, God made a way, and it was a fantastic mission trip, but it'd be a lot easier if you just had a little knapsack on your back. right? Ever. But here he says, um, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, nor greet anyone along the row road, but whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house, right? Just to go simply, God's going to take care of you. In fact, you need God to take care of you. In fact, if it's really of the Lord, it's going to require that you go by faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you're not going in need, then you won't even need God (laughs) to show up to be there for you. He wants you to be dependent upon him. That's acknowledging his presence in your need. That's acknowledging his presence in your need in 2023. That's acknowledging his presence in your need in 2023 as you share the gospel with the people in our community as we herald him. And so we're to go out in that way to go simply and to simply go kind of an interesting thing I picked up here. Um, Nope, I didn't bring it with me, okay? (laughs) But just the idea of keeping it simple. You know, one of the things that stops people all the time I see in ministry is as we have been given this commission to go, is they're like, well, I'm not trained. I'm not ready. I haven't prepared. I need more education. I need more equipment. I need more something. Let me ask you, do you have Jesus? What's the answer? You got it. That's all you need. That's all you need. And it's not ready, set, go. It's go. It's go. And you'll find, especially if you get around people that are out there 
mixing it up and doing things and you're seeing all kinds of fruit come out of their ministry and stuff and you ask them, man, what? you must have just spent years of getting ready for this ministry and they'll say, uh, not exactly. I can tell you right now, your pastor is never ready. Not, most of you aren't surprised. To, you know, you've been around me very long. God opens the door and I go, okay? And, and you see, if God's in it, he's going he's gonna to make a way for you. There will be fruit. It does say here that Jesus called and appointed these 70. It's important that you're called, but I think so many of us are so afraid. This is what the devil wants you to believe. Um, not now, not yet, and not you. That he'll, that every single time. You'll, he's going to be saying that for the rest of your life. Not now, not yet, not you. But Jesus always calls, he always equips, and he always brings fruit. So you can be certain as you step through that open door, even though you are of little strength, if you will keep his word and keep his name, he will keep you from the trial that's about to come upon the earth. And you will be safe as you go forward as lambs amongst wolves. It says, uh, and greet no one along the road. Now, that, just so you understand that, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to say hi to people. Of course, how are you going to evangelize anybody if you don't say hi to people? The idea of greeting no one is to don't allow yourself to become distracted and bogged down and start going off the side, uh, off in a ditch. Okay, that's what that really translates into. Be on purpose. Be focused. This is the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm here to bring good news. The King is here. The King is coming. And don't get distracted by all these headlines, by all these crises, and all these things that are going to come up. You know they're going to come, okay? That part we can give. But it will be the year of our Lord if we don't lose our focus. So, uh, and whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. Come in peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, right? Peace on this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. You may go into some places where people don't receive your witness, your testimony, the things that you want to share about Jesus Christ. That's okay. That's okay. As long as you have shared with them, you can move on, and you have done your job. That's all you are, is to go forward in the, before Jesus Christ. He is the one who's going to save people. It's his Holy Spirit that's going to convert souls. It's not you. It's not your brilliance. It's not anything like that. It's just a matter of going out and doing it. And if you will do that, and you're rejected, your peace can remain on you. You understand the measure of success in the kingdom of heaven? Well done, good, and faithful servant. You just go out and be good. You go out and be faithful and do what God's called you to do. And you will be received with joy <laughs> when we see the Lord. That's all he requires of you. He doesn't say, well, how many people came to uh, confess Jesus Christ at your latest outreach? How many hands went up with eyes bowed and all that stuff? That's not going to be on the questionnaire. Just, did you love me and did you tell people about me? 
It says in verse 7, And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy his wages, but do not go from house to house. Okay, you're not looking for the best deal or the best meal. You come into a situation, you step out in faith to go share the Lord, herald the kingdom, and a door opens, go into that door. You don't say, well, gosh, I wish I could have got into the palace. You know, as soon as I get an offer from so-and-so, I'm out of here. I'm going to go sit where... You know, there's really good meals, you know, better deals and all that kind of stuff. You go where God guides you. you. Do you trust God to guide you? Then just go and know that you're in his will. If they receive you in peace, be there, right? And just be grateful for what is coming your way. You know, I've, I've shared with you before, we used to call this or still maybe call it the missionary prayer. Lord, where you lead me, I will follow what you feed me, I will swallow. Amen. It's that simple, okay? Not always easy, depending on what it is you have to swallow. Nevertheless, God will care for you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the labor is worthy as wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Just be busy caring for people, being compassionate for people, meeting people at their needs. You're not coming there to be a great theologian and you're just going to teach them Bible studies like 24 hours a day. Said, come and heal the sick. Meet them at their needs. See where they are and just share the love of Christ with them. It goes on to say, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its street and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then Jesus continues on, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. You remember Sodom in the Bible? God rained down hail, brimstone, wiped the place out, right, with Abraham and Lot and that story. Well, it's going to be better then than it would be for these people that reject Jesus Christ today. And so you don't have to hold on to it or take uh, umbrage, you know, offense because they didn't receive your Jesus. Just simply let them know, okay, the Lord came here today. I brought peace, glad tidings. You didn't want it. And then this idea of just wiping the dust off of your feet, it was just something that was done in those days. It was a picture of saying, I'm not going to let any of this cling to me. And, you know, if you're like me, and many people are, we don't like rejection. Just remember, they're not rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. They're re rejecting the witness of Jesus Christ. So don't let that cling to you. It's not yours to own as long as you've been faithful and you've shared it. It says it'll be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And then Jesus, he goes on to kind of expound upon this concept. It's a way of kind of emboldening those ambassadors, those heralds. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable, tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. 
and you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. This is pretty hard words, harsh words. How many of you guys remember reading in the Bible all the miracles and, and wonders and signs and teachings and blessings that Jesus did in Chorazin? How about Bethsaida? They're not recorded. And yet, we know that everywhere Jesus went, he just brought blessing. John says that if all the miracles and all the wonders that Jesus did were recorded, not even the world, all the books in the, or the world wouldn't be big enough to hold all the books of recording all the things that Jesus did. But here in our house, here at the Springs, God is constantly doing amazing things. People being born again, lives changed, and just uh, we, we see amazing things happening here. And yet, in so many places, people come in and they go, hmm, I don't see it, I don't feel it, it didn't happen to me. That heart of unbelief, not willing to receive, not willing to accept what God would do, not seeing with your very eyes what God is doing in your very presence. And it's interesting when you look at Chorasan and Bethsaida and Capernaum, exalted to heaven, Jesus made his headquarters there. He was living there. He was doing miracles right and left. We see those recorded in the books. And yet there, there was a rejection of Jesus Christ. And what's so interesting, Tyre and Sidon, Gentile, non-Jewish, pagan peoples, they repented. And we see stories of the Syrophoenician women, people that did receive Jesus Christ, even the Gentiles, the Goyim. But those people that thought they knew better, didn't receive them, ended up with nothing. It says, verse 16, he who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me, and he, rejects him, he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Fundamentally, they're not rejecting you, okay? If they reject Jesus, they're rejecting God to their own hurt, their own um, <laughs> destruction. And so we can go into 2023, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, and be heralds. Let people know Jesus is coming. And if we will do this every day, when we get at the backside of 2023, should the Lord tarry? We'll look back and go, yep, sure was, year of the Lord. It was all about Jesus. Everywhere I went, let me tell you about my Jesus. And you will be living in the year of our Lord. It says in uh, verse 17, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Woohoo! How would you like to have a 2023 where you come back in rejoicing, so full of joy? Wow, we went out in your name and your power, your authority, and wow, we saw amazing things. That happens here every week, you know. I'm privileged as the pastor. I get, get, get y'all call me, and I hear from every one of you. Man, you know what happened today? And this has happened with my brother-in-law, and this happened over here. And I'm constantly hearing all the things that are going on. I hope you guys are connected with one another, and you're sharing the things that Jesus is doing in your life. I do my best to share from the pulpit from week to week some of the things that happen. But there's all kinds of stuff to rejoice. And they were full of joy. 
And I think one of the things here, one of the, the, the keys to being filled with joy in 2023 as heralds, as ambassadors of Christ, is that we get things in order, that we get the horse in front of the cart. The word joy, fun little acronym. You've probably heard this one before. J, Jesus first. O, then others. Y, yourself last. And as we go forward as ambassadors, as heralds of Jesus Christ, and all we tell the world about, I just, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me help you. Let me minister to you. Myself, we'll worry about that one later. You're going to have fullness of joy. You're going to be overflowing in joy. Sadly, some of us get it backwards, right? And it's you first, others, if I can have some time, and Jesus, if I get around to it. And you're going to come back, and you're going to be full of George. And whatever that is, you got it. I recommend joy. The 70 return with joy, saying, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Awesome. Wonderful. And he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Where do we get that power? Where do we get that authority? Was it say right here? Jesus says, I give you power and authority. It's not you. It's not because you're so cool. It's not so because you're so whatever learned or whatever awesome thing it is you think you got. You got Jesus He's the source. That's where it's at. I give you that power, okay? Yeah, you're going to see these things, he says. But he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That little business of, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, I think what Jesus is referring to here is, I remember the day Satan, Lucifer, the anointed cherubim that covereth, he was exalted in heaven. But what did he do? He got full of himself. He got full of pride, self-pride. And because of pride, the sin of pride, God cast him down to the earth. And Jesus said, I saw that. I saw what pride can do. Of course, I'm, you're, you're blessed, you're privileged, you're my chosen. I have appointed you, I have anointed you, I have sent you, I will go with you, I'm giving you power. You're going to see amazing things. But don't think it's you, because it's never been you. It's always been me. And if you'll keep that in the right place, you'll be safe. Rejoice, rather, that your names are written in heaven. They're written in the Lamb's book of life. That your ticket has been punched. That you're a child of God. You're heaven bound. And none of these things can hurt you. Temporarily, it might sting. Temporarily, you might appear to die. But all that is, is a portal into eternity. You win. You've already, you're already an overcomer. And so don't let any of that worry you, but don't get all excited because these wonderful things are happening because of my ministry. <laughs> Yikes. Ay, yi, 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 right? 
Uh, I love, I'm going to just go to um, Isaiah chapter 14. We read about this. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation and on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Ay, 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 ay. You need to get the eye out, okay? It's joy, Jesus others, and finally, yourself. Be grateful that your names are written in the book of heaven. Verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. And this is a deep rejoicing. This is a strong rejoicing. This is coming from the, the, the soul of God rejoicing. I mean, that's, that's some heavy-duty rejoicing going on right here. He is so excited, so happy, so pleased in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Interesting on this one, uh, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. These babes he's talking about, these are the 70. These are the ones that he sent out, Okay. Nothing special about them, but he chose them, he deputized them, he equipped them, he sent them out, and amazing things were happening. He's rejoicing in the Spirit, and he's just so happy. I thank you, Father, you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. Those people think they know better, the know-it-alls. They're never going to get this, because it's not know-it-all, it's know Jesus. That's it. It's that simple. Go simply, simply go. Go in the name of Jesus, and you'll find you're going to do just fine. They were the 70 simple believers who received real wisdom from the revelation of God. He, Jesus, had to send the simple because the wise of this world would never go out as wolves, lambs amongst wolves. That's not wise. He had to send the simple because <laughs> he knew they wouldn't change the message. <laughs> keep it simple. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, saints, right? They would not change the message. He had to send the simple because he wanted to reach the simple. He had to send the simple because they would do the work in his name, not their name. He had to send the simple because they would rejoice over the work. They wouldn't take credit for it. He had to send the simple because they would give praise to Jesus. Simply go out. He says, verse 22, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son reveals him. It's, it's, it's super simple. You just need to accept Jesus Christ is Lord. Just like Peter confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you will understand. It will all become clear. And those of you that have done it, you're like, yeah, I did it. You know, at the time, it seemed too simple. I thought it'd be, you know, I needed to get better educated or riddle this thing out really good. But at one point, I just said, Lord, <laughs> show me. And he did. It's that simple. 
Verse 23, then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. This is the key. This is so amazing, right? We get to do what Moses and Elijah and all these people, you know, uh, crossing the Red Sea or casting fire down and riding up to heaven in a chariot, and yet they wanted to be here in these seats and see what we see. Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, our risen Savior and King, heaven bound, right? We get to see the whole picture, and it's so amazing here. Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. Do you see Jesus? If you do, 2023 is going to be an amazing year of the Lord for you. It goes on, the second illustration. I have to pick up my speed a little bit here. <laughs> and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. What's the key to living in the year of our Lord, 2023? Said right there, Jesus said, good answer, love. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. If we are busy loving God and loving people, we're going to love 2023. It's going to be a year of just loving the Lord. And, and, and this is, remember, it's a lawyer, right? He's an expert in the Old Testament. His expectations come from the law of Moses. Um, and it says a certain lawyer, okay, this expert stood up and, did you notice this? Tested him. He's, tr he's playing the game of trick the teacher, stump, you know, the, the teacher. And so he's not genuine in his request, although the question is a good question. Tested him saying, teacher, you know, flatter him up. Oh, rabbi, rabbi. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And here's an interesting thing. Is this about works? The answer was love. That's it. Just love. That's what you do. You love. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, strength, heart, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, verse 28, you have answered rightly, this do, and you will live. That's it. Wow. Cool, exciting. That's all there is to it. I just have to love God and love others. And I'm going to have a beautiful life. I will live. <laughs> I'll live eternally. I'll have eternal life. Verse 29, but he, want, he wanting to justify himself, said to God, and who is my neighbor? Trying to live by the letter of the law. Okay, let's break this down. Let's get into the little teeniest piece. Just love. But love who? Who am I supposed to love? Pretty much God and people, okay? Other categories, there are no other categories. You love them, you're going to be okay. Um, uh, a good observation, but a very poor interpretation. It was very self-centered of him. 
So it led to a bad application. Only God can justify. You can't justify yourself, but he's trying to justify yourself. Let me give you a hint here for 2023. This one will help you, okay? Whenever you find yourself trying to justify something you said, something you did, something you thought, even justifying it to yourself, <laughs> whatever it is, you're, you, you already lost. Just the act of trying to justify yourself puts you on the wrong side of the fence. <laughs> you just come and confess. You don't justify anything. You confess. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I did. This is what, what I said. And let God be the one, as you confess, to cleanse you and forgive you and justify you. But if you're trying to justify yourself, you'll always end up in a pickle. And the question is, who is my neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? The great Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord, your God, the Lord God, the Lord is one, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. And then in, in um, what is it, Leviticus 19:18, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So who is my neighbor? Okay, you've heard this, and often it's known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Let me help you with this just a little bit as you approach it. It's not a parable. There's nothing here fictional. Jesus uses certain people, specific people. He's talking about a real-life event, and it's going to be a way for us to see in real life what a real neighbor looks like in answer to the real question from the fake lawyer, okay? Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Start off with this certain man, okay? He's going from Jerusalem up on the hilltop, 3,600 feet elevation gain, about 18 miles down to Jericho. It winds through this uh, canyon known as the Wadi, Wadi Kelt, and it's known as the uh, Way of Blood. It was notorious for robbers and bandits and thieves. And people going down that way would always go down in groups and clusters and caravans to give yourself a little bit of defense. But somehow, this guy did it his own way by himself, okay? We could fairly surmise that he wasn't doing things the way things ought to be done. You could even call him a fool for trying to travel this road by himself. There are certain places in certain cities in America that I would call you a fool if you just drove there, got out of your car, and started walking across town. You're an idiot. You're asking for trouble. Well, <laughs> that's kind of the situation here. This is not smart what this guy did. Nevertheless, Sure enough, he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Half dead is half alive, okay? But what this is, and spiritually, if you want to look at this, it's like so many of our knucklehead neighbors who are going through life half dead. They're not spiritually alive. They're not wise. They're fools. They don't follow wisdom from God. They just do whatever they want, and it leads to consequences they don't want. It's really common in the world today. That's what this guy is like, okay? He, 
shouldn't have done it. He did it anyways. And so there it happens to him, right? Unwise, traveling this dangerous path, just like a lot of our godless, foolish, selfish, knucklehead neighbors. Okay, verse 31. Now, by chance, or literally, it happened or it turned out, there is no chance, there's no coincidence. The rabbis will say, coincidence is not a kosher word. This is providence. It happened, it turned out, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now, these two people, these priests and these Levites, right, these are people who are of uh, privilege, position, authority, and a lawyer who asked this question would expect that a priest and a Levite would have an obligation to perform works of mercy from a person in distress, and they had a right, that person in distress, a right to expect some kind of aid and comfort. But these, this priest and this Levite, in demonstration of their inhumane conduct, were fundamentally in breach of the law. The law which the lawyer just cited to love God and to love people, and they were not loving, okay? Now, kind of interesting to think about these people. Uh, Priests would be the people of the most political power of their day, okay? They are sitting on top of the pile. Whatever they say goes, they just, they're all that and a bag of chips, okay? Um, they're the people who pulled strings in society. They had all the political power. And because of their situation, their position, they would not want to be defiled by touching anything dead. In this case, the guy they would assume is a fool for even being out on that dangerous road. Um, He's at least spiritually dead. And they would not want to ruin their reputation or somehow become unable to live out their priestly lifestyle because of this no-good, loner, loser dude. That's the attitude of a lot of people, religious people, holier-than-thou people. A priest is supposed to be, by definition, a representative of God to the people and for the people to come and have access to God. That's their duty. That's their job. And this priest is breaking down on all points because of himself. Okay? And Jesus uses this to help explain what a neighbor looks like. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. The Levite did slightly better in that he looked. The priest didn't even bother to come over and observe. But the Levite did, but he kind of looked down upon this person, you know, and, and, and then decide, I'm getting on the other side of the road. I'm not even going to get close to this. I don't need to get entangled with this. A Levite is like a temple worker, okay? They have privilege. They have position. They, it'd be like working in a church or something, right? Church secretary or some kind of deacon or something like that. But somebody who by all rights would be expected to extend grace and mercy, aid and assistance. And yet they didn't They didn't have time for that, right? Um, This is obviously some kind of godless heathen. He's a sinner. He's brought this on himself. All different kinds of things that you might think to yourself. 
but just too busy, right? And, and it's kind of interesting that think of the excuses that people use for not helping somebody. Um, you could this road is too dangerous for me to stop and help that man. Might be a decoy or an ambush. Those are all legit excuses, I guess you could say. I've got to get to the temple and perform my service to the Lord. I've got to get home and see my family. Someone really should help that man. <laughs> if I'm going to serve at the temple, I can't get my clothes bloody. Well, I don't know first aid. It's a hopeless cause. I'm only one person. The job is too big. I'll pray for him. He brought it on himself and should never have been alone on such a dangerous road. Well, he never asked me for help. All these different excuses they could have used, or dare I say, we may have used ourselves at some time and some point. It just doesn't fit in with my plans for the day. I, 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 right? I love what C.H. Spurgeon said. He says, I never knew a man refuse to help the poor who failed to give at least one admirable excuse. <laughs> That's that self, you're, you're ratting yourself out just by making an excuse. <laughs> you're confessing before God, you know, your situation. Well, this is, this is an illustration. This is Jesus answering who is my neighbor, okay? So don't lose eye on what this is about. It's being helpful, like Jesus is helpful, and these priests and Levites weren't. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. Your pain in my heart. Okay? Sympathico. I'm feeling what you're feeling. I get where you're coming from. I understand your situation, and it moves me, okay? The love of Christ compels me to do something. Here, He would look at this man, and he would see his situation, and I'm mindful of Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 2. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. You know who that's about? That's, that's talking about Jesus Christ. Isaiah, speaking of Messiah, and how the world would look upon and spit upon Jesus Christ. And yet, interesting what Jesus would do for us. We read in Hebrews, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, seeing then that we, that's you and me, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's our high priest. He knows what we're going through. He knew, like the Samaritan knew, what it was like to be despised, rejected, treated poorly. He knows what you have been through in your life. He knows your biography, every bit of it. 
And there's none of it that he's ashamed of. And we can be completely transparent with him. And he will meet us where we are at. You're in the ditch. You're in the gutter. You're on the side of the road. You're beat up. You're bruised. You're naked. You have nothing left. You're total lost cause. Perfect. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. Now, he's without sin, but there's not a single sin. And whatever ugly, nasty, stinky, filthy sin that really, really makes you squirm, Jesus knows those too. And that doesn't stop him from loving you and helping you where you're at. Look at what the Samaritan does. It says he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Met him at his need. Helped him like Jesus would help him. I love this, the, uh, the, the oil. That's like always a picture of anointing, uh, of the Holy Spirit in the Scripture. And it's just that, that power for health and for life. And with wine, he, which is um, also that provision for cleansing, and for failure, and for the sins of our world. And, and he ministered to him the way Jesus ministers to us, with his Holy Spirit and with his blood. And, and, and here we see this beautiful picture, put him on his own animal and took him to the innkeeper. A little bit different story than the innkeeper last week, huh? You know, it's going to take a second to sink in. And they came and there was no room for them in the... But here, the innkeeper receives him. And you know what? In this story, it's not a parable, but I can see clearly the name of that inn. I don't know if you can see it right in there in between the lines. It's called the Springs Calvary Chapel. <laughs> we are that inn. Jesus brings the needy, the broken, the destitute, the people who are half dead and he brings them to us and he says here i'll cover their expenses you take care of them and that's what we are to do church in 2023 i can expect there will be a couple train wrecks come into this church because that's how that's how that's how i came into the church and we can expect a couple more if we're doing our job if we're living the year of our lord that's what this year is going to look like for us. And it says, On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come to you again, I will repay you. He's coming back again. Okay? In this case, the Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans were people who had become estranged from the Jewish tribes. When the two when the nation of Israel divided and there was 10 northern tribes and the two southern tribes of Israel or Judah, the northern tribes got into idolatry and all kinds of wickedness. Finally, the Assyrians came and captured them and they repopulated the northern Sumerian area of Israel with a bunch of idolatrous people. And to Jesus's day, when you heard the word Samaritan, you would just your guts would just turn. You just hated Samaritans because they were half-breeds. You know, it's like, it's no different for us. You know, when you have somebody that knows better and they do it anyways, that's the thing that just really frosts you. 
You re- of course, idiots do that stuff, but you knew better, right? And we get all fired up. That's how they felt about Samaritans. Samaritans didn't have really good theology, right? It was mixed up with all kinds of heathenism, paganism, idolatry, and all those kinds of things. But what the Samaritan did was neighborly. What the Samaritan did was a picture of loving God as poorly, theologically, as he understood that to be, and love your neighbor, even a Jew, his mortal enemy, all that didn't matter compared to doing the law. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Love God and love people. And Jesus says, So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, the Samaritan. Is that what it says in your Bible? He can't even say the word. This is is his heart. He can't even bring himself to say, the Samaritan. He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and we're going to finish this chapter out. 2023, the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, 2023. We're going to be heralds for Jesus Christ. We're going to go in his power, and every day is going to be Jesus' day. We're going to go in his help. We're going to help the world like Jesus does, our knucklehead neighbors, okay? Those people who should have known better and got themselves in trouble anyways. What are we going to do? We're going to minister, and we're going to meet them like Jesus meets them. And finally, we're going to recognize the Lord here, okay? We're going to be heralds for the Lord, helpers like the Lord, and hearers of the Lord. Now, it happened, verse 38, as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. This is the village of Bethany. This is the story of Martha and Mary. Very familiar story. You've heard it, I'm sure, many times. Verse 39, And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, in this, I want to just bring out a couple things, and then we're going to blast on out the backside of this. But first, set it up, it's that, This is Mary. We see her three times in the scriptures, and every single time she's sitting at Jesus' feet. When her brother Lazarus dies, she comes out and falls at his feet, and she shares her sorrow with Jesus, sitting at Jesus' feet. In another passage, we're going to see that she's going to anoint him with oil and wash his feet with her tears and with her hair, and she's going to be sitting at Jesus' feet. And here we're going to see that she's helping her sister prepare for unexpected guests and trying to put a meal together when she stops what she's doing and just sits again at Jesus' feet. And it's not really clear in the grammar in the English, but that's what the idea is in the text. It says she had a sister called Mary who also in addition to preparing the meal and getting ready for the company, also sat, just sat, just stopped, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. 
But Martha was distracted with so much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. God bless Martha. I love a good meal when I go to y'all's houses. I love it that you, you know, prepare for me and put all the time and effort. It, I mean, I love it. God bless the Marthas. But I pray that you're blessed and not bitter. And if you find yourself that all the vacuuming and waxing the floor and dusting and cooking and preparing and everything is causing you to become bitter, not blessed, you really need to pause and think about why are you doing this, okay? Are you heralds for the Lord? Are you helpers like the Lord? And are you here with the Lord? Are you just busy in yourself? It says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. It never really goes really good when you command the Lord to do stuff. <laughs> right? And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. When you hear that twice, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're not necessarily in trouble, but it certainly means you better listen up double good right now. What I'm going to tell you is really important, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried or careful or anxious. You are preoccupied. You are distracted. You have lost focus. You don't know why you're doing what you're doing. You're just doing it. You're just serving. I'm serving the Lord. I'm serving a church. I'm serving in children's ministry. I'm serving on the sound ministry. I'm serving here. I'm doing this. I'm taking care of my parents. I'm watching the grandkids. I'm helping with the programs. I'm busy, 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 busy. I'm serving the Lord. You are anxious. You're careful. You're full of care. You're troubled, worried about many things. But one thing is needed. It's just one. It's that simple. 2023, the year of our Lord. It's this simple. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. She was busy working just like Martha. She was happy to have the company in the house, but she heard the Lord. And as she would hear, she sat. And she became a hearer of Jesus. Remember I told you my little funny spelling? I don't even know how to spell it. My computer kicks out every version I try. But H-E-R-E. Of course she's hearing. She's hearing his words. She's hearing him and she stops. But it's because she wants to be present. Here. Now. With Jesus. And if we will take that one thing. 2023 will be totally the year of our Lord. Because Jesus is here. And as long as we are here, he will be here with us, right? And so we can go into the new year, heralds for the Lord, helpers like the Lord, and hearers here in the Lord. Amen? Amen.
Father God, I want to thank you for this opportunity we have. Another year, a fresh slate in front of us. Your year, 2023, the year of our Lord. Help us, Lord, to go forward boldly, proclaiming the good news. The King is coming. (laughs) Help us, Lord, to share truth and life. Help us to help others that don't know you to bring health and life and healing and help us to do it with you, in you, in your presence. Help us to live every moment of our life in you. Lord, I do pray now for those in the fellowship that are going through difficult times, people who have been witnessing, people who have been tending to the needs of others, caring for the sick, dealing with issues in people's lives. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them, anoint them, fill them up, bring others alongside two by two, that we don't do it alone, that, Lord Jesus, that you would gift us with the words and the ways, the means to bring about your perfect work and to trust you with the fruit. I thank you for this church. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will make us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, that we can live every day in your presence. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.